Chapter Two of Grace Harlowe's Return to Overton Campus by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: A Welcome Guest. The summer sun, streaming intimately in at the window of her room and touching her hair with warm, awakening fingers, caused Grace to open her eyes before six o'clock the next morning. She lay looking about her, unable for the moment to remember where she was. Then she laughed, and reaching for her kimono, which hung folded across the footboard of the bed, slipped it on, and thrusting her feet into her bedroom slippers, went to the window. "'Dear old Overton Hall,' she murmured, her eyes fixed lovingly on the stately grey tower of the building that she had come to regard as a close friend. Again she found herself overwhelmed by a tide of reminiscences. How many times she and Anne had stood at the self-same window, arm in arm, gazing out at the self-same sights. She could see the very seat at the foot of the big tree, where she had sat the day Emma Dean had poked her head about the big syringa bush and mournfully handed her the letter from Ruth Denton's father, which had been buried in the pocket of Emma's coat for so many weeks. She smiled as she recalled the ludicrously penitent expression from which Emma had delivered the letter. There were the library steps on which Arlene Thayer had sat and cried so disconsolately because she could not go home for Christmas. Once more she saw a strange procession winding its way across the campus, headed by a walking, chattering scarecrow. Emma Dean again in her famous representation of Never Too Late to Mend, which had been one of the great features of the famous fiction dance. Then she saw four girls with their shining heads bared to the sun, strolling across the campus, talking earnestly of what the future held for them. And still again she saw them in caps and gowns, marching toward the gate of commencement. It was only a little time since they had passed through that gateway, yet how long it seemed. Suddenly her look of abstraction changed to one of startled interest. Running to the door she threw it open and listened intently. She heard Mrs. Elwood's voice raised in pleased surprise. Then could she believe her ears? She heard another never-to-be-gotten voice say, I could see that there was someone awake and stirring. With a joyous cry of, J. Elfrida, where, oh, where did you come from? A lithe, blue-robed figure raced down the stairs and wrapped both arms tightly about a plump young woman in a tailored coat-suit who returned the warm embrace with interest. "'Oh, Grace, I can't tell you how glad I am to see you again,' exclaimed J. Elfrida Briggs fervently. "'I never was so glad in all my life as when I found out you were here. "'The letter was forwarded to me at the beach. "'We're at Wildwood for the summer. "'Maybe I didn't pick up my things in a hurry. "'To use slang, which you know I can't resist using occasionally, "'I hot-footed it for the station the minute Ma said I could come.' "'Which letter do you mean, Elfrida?' asked Grace in a puzzled tone. "'Why, the one from Mrs. Gray, of course,' returned Elfrida. "'Isn't she here?' "'Yes, but—' "'Grace, Elfrida,' called Mrs. Gray from the head of the stairs. "'Come up here, children.' "'Come on.' Grace seized Elfrida's heavy suitcase and started up the stairs. Elfrida followed with alacrity. "'Now,' laughed Grace as she stepped into Mrs. Gray's room, "'I demand an explanation.' She laid her hands lightly upon the old lady's shoulders, smiling down at her, then bent and kissed her cheek. "'This is certainly a happy meeting,' declared Elfrida, as she embraced Mrs. Gray, who rose to greet her. "'I'm so glad you have come, my dear. 
I knew that Grace would miss her friends dreadfully when she came back here. Anne and Miriam are both away, and Nora and Jessica are too deep in the mysteries of hope chests and wedding finery to be dragged off on even the most delightful of midsummer pilgrimages. But my greatest reason for asking you to come was because I believed you were the very person Grace needed to make her happy here. You see, it will take at least two weeks to set things right, and she must have inspiring company. I hope everything has arrived safely. Suppose we hurry through with our breakfast and go over to Harlow House at once. Mrs. Elwood tells me that she informed the caretaker yesterday of our coming. We shall be obliged to stop at his house for the key. Oh, Elfreda, I'm so sorry you weren't with us in New York, was Grace's regretful cry. We stayed with the Southards, Mrs. Gray, Anne, Miriam and I. Anne, Miss Southard and Mr. Southard left New York City for California last week. Mr. Southard and Anne are to appear as joint stars in film productions of As You Like It, Hamlet, King Lear, and possibly other Shakespearean plays. It is their first experience in posing before the camera. Anne sent you her love. She'll write you as soon as she is settled. Dear little Anne, smiled Elfreda, her eyes growing tender. I hope she'll be back in time for the girls' weddings. Nora and Jessica say positively that they won't be married without her. Grace looked anxious. When are they to be married? The last of September. The date hasn't been set. Grace. Elfreda fixed round solemn eyes on her friend. Do you feel very old this summer? Not the least little bit. I can't realize that I've come back to Harlow House to take charge of it. I feel as young as I felt when I first entered high school. Well, I'm glad to hear it, for to save me, I can't feel responsible and dignified. I've run and raced and swum and played golf like an Indian all summer, and honestly I feel ever so much younger than when I came to Overton four years ago. See how tanned I am. I haven't gained an ounce either. I weigh just one hundred and thirty-five pounds and no more, concluded J. Elfreda in triumph. You are in splendid condition, Elfreda, praised Mrs. Gray. Grace nodded emphatic approval. Yes, I'm strong enough to hustle furniture, beat rugs, scrub floors, or do anything else necessary to the beautifying and internal improvement of Harlow House. Then she added slyly, Lead me to it. You'll be led to it fast enough, promised Grace. Just wait until we have some breakfast. At that moment Mrs. Elwood appeared in the open doorway. Shall I bring your breakfast upstairs this morning? she asked. I thought Mrs. Gray might like to have it in her room. Thank you, but I'd rather go downstairs this morning, nodded the energetic old lady. May we breakfast a la negligee? Yes, you may come down just as you are. There is no one here besides myself and the maid. Miss Briggs, have you had your breakfast? Jane is making waffles. I thought you— Waffles? exclaimed Elfreda, rolling her eyes in ecstasy. If I had had fifty breakfasts, I couldn't resist waffles. Thank goodness Vinton's wasn't open. Aren't waffles supposed to be fattening? inquired Grace judiciously. Don't ask me, was Elfreda's fervent protest. I've set my mind on eating them, even though I have to walk to Hunter's Rock and back in the glare of the noonday sun to counteract their deadly effects. It was a merry trio that gathered around the table when Mrs. Elwood had sat on the roomy, vine-covered back porch, and it was fully an hour after they sat down to breakfast before they rose to go upstairs and make ready for their visit to Harlow House. "'There's no use in trying to begin our real work today,' 
declared Grace, as the three left Mrs. Elwood's and strolled slowly along College Street in the direction of the caretaker's house. Mr. Symes, who had faithfully executed so many commissions for Grace, had been selected as the best possible person to look after the house. Mr. Symes was to see that everything was unpacked before we arrived. We shall have to employ two men to move the heavy furniture. Thank goodness and Mrs. Gray that there are no carpets to be laid. The floors are all hardwood, and there are rugs for every room except the kitchen and laundry. I brought an old dress along, Elfreda informed her friends. I helped Ma set her cottage to rights this summer, and I know something about work. We had two maids and a scrubwoman. The maids were in my way, so I sent them off for a holiday, and the scrubwoman and I tackled the job and went through with it like wildfire. Ma nearly had a spasm, but she liked the looks of it when we had finished. You should have seen me, though. Ma didn't like my looks. I guess I did resemble a human mop, if you know what that looks like. I can imagine, laughed Grace. If you attack the business of putting Harlowe House to rights with the same energy, I shall know exactly how you looked when you cleaned the cottage. Perhaps you will, Elfreda grinned boyishly. I hadn't thought of that. You couldn't see that far ahead, could you? quizzed Grace with twinkling eyes. No, I couldn't, declared Elfreda earnestly. Then, catching sight of Grace's dancing eyes, she laughed good-naturedly. Oh, you will tease me about that. I can see that you'll never outgrow the habit. I can see that Elfreda is going to lighten our labours and make our tasks merry, smiled Mrs. Gray. What a joy and a diversion you must have been to Miriam. I was anything but an unqualified source of pleasure during my freshman year, replied Elfreda. It is plain to be seen that Grace never told you my early Overton history. Now, Elfreda, began Grace, but Elfreda was not to be thus easily deterred from saying her say. She launched forth with a ludicrous account of her freshman shortcomings that left Mrs. Gray and Grace breathless with laughter. Elfreda, tis hard to say which is funnier, you or Hippy. Mrs. Gray's eyes twinkled with enjoyment. Well, isn't it so? demanded J. Elfreda. Isn't that exactly the way I used to do? It's what I call a highly exaggerated account of your self-named misdeeds, returned Grace. You haven't said a word about all the nice things you did for the girls. I don't remember them, evaded Elfreda hastily. Oh, there's Mr. Symes now. How are you, Mr. Symes? You didn't expect to see me here, did you? Well, well, if it ain't Miss Briggs, beamed the old man joyfully. He remembered J. Elfreda was decidedly pleasant. She had always paid him generously for the numerous errands he had run for her. He greeted Grace with equal enthusiasm, and bobbed like a nodding mandarin before Mrs. Gray. "'I hope you have been well, Mr. Symes. How is your wife, and how do you like being caretaker of Harlowe House?' asked Grace. "'I'm well, miss, and so is my wife. It's a fine place, miss, that Harlowe House, and it will be finer still when fall comes and it's full of Overton students.' pretty proud of our young ladies, we Overton folks. Excuse me, miss, I'll go over to my house and get the key. I'll be right along. He has a whole lot of real college spirit, commented Elfreda, or he wouldn't speak so beautifully of the Overton girls. He always was a perfect old dear, agreed Grace warmly. The caretaker soon overtook them with the key, and the little company crossed the street and traversed the deserted campus. How strangely still everything is, commented Grace. Not in the least like it was six months ago, is it, Elfreda? 
It gives me the blues, averred Elfreda in a low tone. Here we are, called Mrs. Gray, with a cheery attempt at dispelling the tiny cloud of dejection that had fallen over the two girls. Harlow House couldn't have a prettier sight. The three women followed Mr. Symes up the steps, then, as if by common consent, turned and looked out over the green expanse of closely clipped lawn, sprinkled with sentinel-like old trees. They had stood guard year after year and silently watched the comings and goings of the hundreds of girls who proudly acknowledged Overton as their alma mater. "'What's the use of gazing and mooning?' asked Elfreda with sudden brusqueness. "'Please open that door, Mr. Symes.' I shall certainly weep and wail disconsolately out of pure sentiment if you don't distract my attention with something else. Show me the furniture, or the boxes it came in, or anything else that won't call forth tender reminiscences. Grace's laugh sounded a trifle shaky, but it was a laugh nevertheless. Something in Elfreda's brusque tones acted as an antidote to her retrospection. She had been more or less ghost-ridden ever since her return to Overton. She now resolved to shake off that pleasantly melancholy sensation and be up and doing with a heart for any fate. The caretaker admitted them to a hall crowded with huge packing-boxes. In fact, the whole of the floor was occupied by the large shipments of furniture recently delivered into the care of Mr. Symes. "'It's worse than the cottage,' announced Elfreda. "'A regular howling wilderness.' I'd like to know how we can possibly guess what's what and why. These boxes all look alike. If we have our minds set upon seeing the parlour suite, we'll be sure to unpack the kitchen furniture instead. We'll let the men wrestle with the unpacking girls, decided Mrs. Gray. I don't wish my bodyguard to nurse wholesale bruises and smashed fingers. Mr. Symes, can you have two men besides yourself here this afternoon to unpack these things? I certainly can, Mrs. Gray promised Mr. Symes with respectful promptness. "'Then we'll have to possess our souls in patience until tomorrow,' sighed Grace. "'Isn't this a lovely roomy house, Elfreda? I'm so glad, too, that there isn't a prim, stiff parlour. I like this immense living-room much better. The girls will surely like it. It will serve as a library, too. That little room just off the hall will make such a convenient office for me. Imagine me as the head of a college house, with an office all of my own, Elfreda.' It's a good thing for the house, commented Elfreda. I hope the girls that live here will appreciate you, Grace. I hope none of them will be as silly as J. Elfreda Briggs was. Elfreda, how can you? remonstrated Grace. How could I, you mean? flung back Elfreda. Because I was a spoiled, selfish ingrate who never stopped to think of anyone else's rights. Now, now, Elfreda, protested Mrs. Gray. Well, I was, insisted Elfreda positively. It took a whole year to reduce me to order. I wasn't as hopeless as some of the others. It took three years to make Alberta Wicks and Mary Hampton real Overton girls, and two years to instill college spirit into Kathleen West. But Grace never gave any of us up, even though we treated her so shabbily. That's why I just said I hoped that the girls would appreciate Grace. I'd hate to think that some stupid, ill-natured freshman is more likely to be a freshman than anyone else would behave like an idiot and spoil her first year at Harlow House. There was an expression of anxious concern on Elfreda's round face. "'Don't worry, Elfreda,' reassured Grace. "'The students who come to Harlow House to live here are sure to be nice. "'Girls who have their own way to pay through college are usually cheerful and unselfish. "'They're anxious to live and willing to let live. "'I don't know about that. "'Kathleen West wasn't a glaring pattern of amiability when she entered Overton. 
reminded Elfreda. Of course she is now a brilliant example of what forbearance will accomplish, and you know I am very fond of her, but you and I remember what we went through during the forbearing process. Don't croak, J. Elfreda Briggs, admonished Grace lightly. I don't imagine that everything will be plain sailing this year. That would be asking too much. Still, I hope I shall not have any serious misunderstandings with my girls. I am going to remember my motto, Blessed are they that have found their work, and not shirk anything that comes within the line of it. I guess there isn't the slightest danger of shirking on your part, was Elfreda's driver taught. I hope the men that do the unpacking of this stuff will be imbued with the same spirit. You'd better bring out that motto and hang it up where they can see it. To change the subject, we haven't been upstairs yet. Come on, then. I think I'll wait for you on the veranda, children, said Mrs. Gray. Don't stay upstairs too long. I should like to go back to Mrs. Elwood's telephone for a taxicab and make a call upon Dr. Morton this morning. We'll hurry, promised Grace, as they ascended the open staircase which led to the second floor. These are to be my quarters, she announced, opening a door at the end of the hall on the left side of the stairs. This left wing was designed especially for me. The right wing has the same amount of space, but it is divided into two bedrooms but the left has a sitting-room and bedroom with a bathroom between the two. Seems selfish in me to have so much room, but Mrs. Gray insists that I need it and wishes me to be thoroughly comfortable. She wanted me to have circassian walnut bedroom furniture, but I chose oak. I don't wish my rooms to suggest luxury. It wouldn't seem in touch with the spirit of my undertaking. Elfreda regarded Grace with loving admiration. You're the squarest, fairest girl I ever knew, or even expected to know, Grace was her tribute, and you deserve the best that the Harlow House girls can give you. End of chapter 2